Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 91 of the Mo Money Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me for another fabulous Wednesday episode. I am so excited to share this interview with you because it's been a little while since I've interviewed it. I, you know, back before I knew I was going uh, to be full-time self-employed, I thought, well, if I'm going to continue doing two full-time jobs, I better get as many podcasts uh, in the queue as possible. And so I recorded a ton in advance. And this one, I think, was back in the summer, which is a bit crazy because um, I was listening to the recording. I edited this out, but I was telling uh, my guests that uh, me and my husband had just bought our place, but we hadn't revealed it to anyone. So that was a freaking while ago because we uh, got possession back in August. Yeah. So I'm very excited to share my interview with uh, my next guest. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Esther, the blogger behind NZ Muse. I've been a fan of her for years, and I'm also excited because she's the first guest uh, I've had outside of North America. She is my first New Zealand guest or guest with a fun accent, basically. And she is absolutely wonderful and just has an amazing story of basically living the life, living the dream, you know, uh, you know, having the career, being able to travel for six months out of the year to everywhere over the world, um, and just kind of doing life right. And she also just bought her house, uh, bought a house too. So, She's, yeah, she's doing a pretty good job when it comes to her money. So I'm very excited to share my interview with her. Uh, but before I get to that interview, I just want to share something pretty cool. So uh, I think it was about a year ago, I interviewed my friend, uh, John Robertson. He is also the author of the book, The Value of Simple and super smart. I mean, he's a doctor. He's Dr. Robertson. He is a scientist, a writer, investor, teacher, all around nice guy. And uh, he was so nice. He came to my apartment to record an episode all about uh, index investing and just how to do it yourself from the ground up. And his book really goes into detail about what to do if you don't want to go with a robo-advisor, if you want to do it all by yourself. He has all the information. And he just came out with a course, which is so cool because when we had that initial talk, he's like, I, I have this idea for a course. I just don't really know like how long it's going to take me. And you know, he has a job as well and a family and all this stuff. And so now I am so excited to reveal that he finally has his course up and out there for the masses to enjoy. I've already checked it out. It is amazing. He really knows his stuff. So if you are interested in learning more about uh, DIY investing, um, this is the course that you want to sign up to because there is literally everything you need to know about index fund investing. So if you want to learn more, get a free trial or buy the course, check it out at jessicamorehouse.com slash investing course. I'll also include a link in the show notes in case you're interested. Because guess what? Investing, growing your money, that is one way, a big important way to reach your financial goals to get into that financial freedom life that you've always dreamed of. So make sure to check it out, jessicamorehouse.com slash investing course. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. Thanks, Esther, for joining me on the show today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Excited to be here. Yay! I don't know if you know this, but I've been a huge fan of your blog probably ever since you started it. Because I, when did you start? What year did you start your oh blog? Um, I think it was late two thousand and eight, which is a lifetime ago now. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! In a couple of years, it'll be like a decade. That's crazy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been reading your blog probably since then because I. Or yeah, or yeah, probably since you started it, I've always been a huge fan. I just love how 
kind of honest and transparent you are with all of your experiences and your thoughts about money, which is really awesome. So, and you're also my first non North American (laughs) guest. So yay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Um, So first let's kind of dive in. I would love to know a little bit about you and how, like, how was your relationship with money growing up? Were you Mm -hmm. always very interested in it and frugal or did that kind of come later? Um, kind of grew up in an Asian household, so, you know, money was not a taboo topic for us, um, which I think was great. Uh, and I couldn't really say exactly how they did it, but I suppose my parents would have just led by example. So, you know, they were frugal and they saved Mm -hmm. and I just kind of absorbed those messages, um, growing up. Uh, so my first job was, you know, paper round, typical, typical kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, put that all in savings. Uh, when I started to want, you know, I wanted to buy a guitar and get a few bigger things in high school. I uh, mm-hmm. went out and got a job at a cafe um, and just saved up for that. And then it's just kind of always been my kind of way of operating. I've always had a saving mentality and mm-hmm. that's always just kind of been, you know, a non-negotiable for me. Exactly. And did that kind of help you, I guess, when you eventually went to university and you were able to graduate debt-free? Pretty much. Um, so I was pretty lucky. I got a scholarship that covered all my tuition. So I pretty much only oh, wow. had to pay for things like books and, you know, the other odd mm-hmm. things here and there. So I feel really fortunate because student loans are huge, huge burden um, mm-hmm. for most people our age. And I feel really lucky to have escaped that. Otherwise, I'd still be, still be paying it off now, now most likely. Absolutely. I know lots of my friends my age are still like, I don't think I know anyone my age in my kind of friend group who's been able to pay off all of their student debt besides all the, you know, debt, personal finance bloggers out there that don't really count. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's slightly different here because, um, you know, the student loans are interest free as long as you stay in New Zealand. um, They don't start. Oh, really? Yeah. Until if you uh, leave the country, but still, you know, that's thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands, which is yeah, it's a huge amount. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Wow. And so you went to school for journalism? I did, yeah. And uh, so I guess you always, you know, obviously from your blog, you're a very good writer. So I guess that's kind of what drew you to that field? More or less, yeah. I mean, I've always, you know, when I was a little kid, I would write little stories and um, English was always kind of my top subject at school. And at the, you know, at the time, journalism kind of seemed like a more of a viable career path than it perhaps does now. So Yeah, yeah. a lot of things <laughs> have changed in the past. Like, Well, I mean, just like you, very similar. I mean, I went to film school, but my first job out of university was working for a newspaper. And at the time, that seemed like a cool, ooh, I'm working in media. Like, it was a cool thing to do. And then fast forward two years, it's, it was a really scary industry to be working in. You're like, oh, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, I think I was lucky in that um, I got into kind of online journalism at just about the right time. So I wasn't, I was never working in newspapers as such, and it could have mm-hmm. been a lot worse if I was. Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it kind of doesn't change the fact that, you know, still some key things about it that you don't get paid enough and you're overworked and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, you worked in, how, how long did you work in journalism for? Uh, I actually worked, so I kind of worked part-time in journalism throughout my degree for most of my degree. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I worked in it for about three or four years after graduating. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what made you decide to kind of switch careers and go into more of a content marketing route? Basically, I started to think, okay, what will I do next? Um, it's kind of looking around at all the publications in the country, uh, thinking about what kind of jobs they had, you know, available or not. And I just kind of didn't see anything that I was burning to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so basically I just thought maybe it's time to do something else and, you know, make some more money and actually just have a change, um, mm-hmm. both in terms of I was, you know, there's the professional boredom a little bit, but then there's also the practical stuff like what if I want to have a family and buy a house mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and Absolutely. Yeah, so just started looking around. I um, was kind of amazed at, you know, I was seeing a lot more jobs on the, I guess, brand side um, that were mm-hmm. very editorially focused, which was cool, um, and they all paid a lot more. So kind of seemed like a no-brainer to give it a go. Definitely a no-brainer. <laughs> I think you probably made the best choice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you made that jump, which seems like a relatively seamless route, which is great. You didn't have to like go back to school or rethink, you know, everything you've, uh, all of your experience and everything like that, which is awesome. So, uh, what I'm kind of running, cause I have a, a very similar mm-hmm. experience where, you know, I was working in, uh, media, not journalism is more sales or whatever. And then I need, I, I realized I'm like, there's no where to go from this. And I kind of know also that like, I, I still keep in touch with all the people I used to work with. And the girl who replaced me when I left, um, I mean, three years ago now, I think she's still in that role. I'm like, yeah, there really is nowhere to move or any other publications to really go to, especially in Vancouver, which is, you know, a small industry anyway. So, uh, you know, I had to go back to school and then, you know, uh, then I eventually uh, jumped ship and now work in marketing just like you. And I completely agree that it is, it was a good decision. And also, like, I know you uh, wrote on your blog that you were able to basically double your salary. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so at what point did you, I think maybe you were still working journalism or I'm not sure, let me know if I'm right, but you made the choice to take a a bit of like a sabbatical or a leave from work and go traveling around the world for six months. Yeah, that's right. So that was on my second job, um, in journalism. Uh, basically I just had this burning travel itch. Um, like Mm -hmm. Zealand, we've got a really strong culture of, Um, You know, just going overseas, either doing the backpacking route or actually going and working overseas for a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. Most people go to London. That's kind of been the traditional route. Um, Mm -hmm. But that didn't really interest me. London's cool. I've been there Mm -hmm. now and I like it, but um, it's just never really held a big draw for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like I really want to get out of here. Um, And there's so many places I want to go and see. How am I going to do it all? I kind of mapped out, you know, what would it take if I did just one big trip every couple of years? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a horrifying amount, <laughs> horrifying yeah. in terms of money. And also um, my job at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know if I could swing that much time away just because of the nature of my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, started to read, you know, different travel blogs and I learned a bit more about things like, volunteering and started to think maybe I could actually do an extended trip if I can incorporate some of these things. Mm. So that's what I started to do. Um, 
worked out ways that we could travel for longer just by going slower and um, volunteering along the way and started to come together. And in terms of um, funding that, um, you know, I just kept saving and at the same time kind of ramped up the freelancing on the side. Um, I think I had set myself a goal of like earning 10K and I can't remember exactly a certain amount of time. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hit that. I think there's a real power in kind of visualizing a goal like this sounds really cheesy but I had like no no visualizing I, like, I would like to see a balance of ten thousand dollars in my PayPal account and eventually I got there and it was kind of it was really really cool yeah it's exciting when you have like a thought in your mind you're like oh that's crazy how am I going to be able to do that <laughs> in that you know short amount of time but then when you achieve it you're like oh well what else am I capable of <laughs> Right. Yeah. So like, that's the the coolest thing that you took off six months. I need to look into that. <laughs> I would love to take six months off work um, to go traveling. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, you had this idea in your head that you want to do it and you figured out a way to do it. And I think that's, I don't know, a good lesson just in, in terms of anything in life, whatever you want, whether it's travel or career or whatever. If you want something bad enough, there's probably a way. If there's a will, there's a way, if they say, you know. So mm. that's awesome. So where did you end up going to? Uh, so we spent um, a couple of months in Southeast Asia. So we started in Malaysia, where I'm mm-hmm. from originally. Um, mm-hmm. Went through Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, all amazing places. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we spent basically the summer in Europe, which was it was life-changing. Italy was that sounds my favorite amazing. country. <laughs> um, yeah, I know that's on my bucket list. Totally. How was Paris? Paris looked amazing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> well... Okay, everyone keeps asking me, like, how is Paris? I'm like, okay, in general, Paris is amazing. I'd love to go back. But we went the worst week ever because it was the Paris floods were happening. Seriously? Yeah. So everything was flooding. It rained every single day. And me and my husband got violently ill. (laughs) Yeah. And there's also a lot of strikes in the city. So kind of all of the bad things that could have happened happened. But we still made it a, a really good trip. (laughs) <laughs> just our luck Sometimes. the one like time we take a week off during the year and we never do that those things happen <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um, and then we finished yeah. up with a kind of a road trip across north america but there's mm-hmm. so much more to see. ah Oh, I know. There's so much in it. Like, I absolutely agree. It's it's funny. When I used to live in Vancouver, it seemed like kind of the only places you know, that we're sort of close to go to. We're on the West Coast, which is great. You know, there's Oregon, which is beautiful. There's Washington, Seattle. There's uh, California. Great. But when we moved to Toronto, it just seems like there's more America to see just because you're a bit closer. And like there's New York, there's Chicago, there's all these great places. So yeah, I really would love to do a road trip around the States. I mean, we did kind of do a road trip when we drove from Vancouver to Toronto just because, I mean, Canada's very boring to do a road trip. There's nothing. It's just fields. Don't do it. I, I, I mean, I, I, I encourage you to come to Canada, but maybe not. I mean, there's really only a few places to go. I'd say go to Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver and, you're, and the Maritimes, and then you're good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really quite sad that we couldn't manage to fit in kind of the Pacific Northwest area because I really wanted to go to Seattle, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of area, but that'll be a future trip. Yeah, next time, next time. I really, sure. I, I actually really enjoyed Toronto. It, um, I felt very at home there. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a pretty. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a it, it's a city that's definitely grown on me. I love it now. When we first moved here, Com- coming from Vancouver, I thought it was like such a huge city. Oh, really? Yeah, that's- but Vancouver is a baby city, so. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because um, hear- you're, you're from Auckland, right? Is that a yeah. very big city? Um, well, not by world standards. Um, it's mm-hmm. our biggest city, but it's still only about, I think, 1.3 million. Um, like, that's a lot. That's about the same size as Toronto, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels tiny sometimes. You know, you do bump into mm-hmm. people a lot. Um, and you're, you've only ever got about two degrees of separation. It's quite mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. So what? So after your trip, you came back. Mm-hmm. Did you just go back to your new, new job? And then that's when you kind of decide to do the career switch? Um, yeah, yeah. So I went back to my um, the job I had been working at. Um, so when I kind of made the decision to travel, I decided, look, um, if they won't um, take me back, that's fine. I feel confident enough that I could find another job. Mm-hmm. But they were lovely and gave me six months off. And so that's where I went back after. Um, nice. And settling in actually wasn't wasn't too bad. It honestly wasn't too hard to get back into things. Um, mm-hmm. And then probably, so we came back in November and I think I left that job in would have been the end of April, so I was probably there another six months or so. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was probably maybe four months or so before I started thinking about moving on. Um, and, you know, I did feel a little bit of guilt at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know, they were nice enough to take me back, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I really did enjoy my job. Um, but, yeah, starting to get the itch. And there were a few kind of things happening, both in terms mm-hmm. of, the industry and as well as at my company and I kind of took them as signs like it was time to start looking. Yeah, it's time uh, to go. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I wasn't quite ready and then, you know, a job that seemed really cool came along and I was like, oh, I'm just going to apply and, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you find yourself like, shit, how do I resign? Um, it's like <laughs> it's the worst. It's just so awkward. It's yeah. not good. I mean, unless you have like the only no, I've quit a few jobs where I'm just like I'm just going to a better job, and it's never. It's always awkward. It's it like you're breaking up with them, and you're like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> totally, totally. I know. So one of the big things that have that has happened in your life, which I'm so excited about, is you bought a house. I know. Yes. Yay! Yeah, it's so awesome. Yes. So I feel like prices are, are pretty high where you are. So I, I totally get it. It's like one of those crazy things where it's like you dream of buying a house, but it always seems kind of elusive, but you're able to do it. Yeah. Yes. So it's been a dream of mine for ages. One that I deferred for travel because at the time travel was mm-hmm. um, my top priority, but now I've kind of done a lot of my traveling. Um, yeah. I was definitely ready to settle down, um, especially Having having traveled um, and seeing what you know standard of living was for other people to come back to <laughs> Auckland rentals was just like soul destroying. Um, really, like what's so bad about them? Uh, our rentals are cold and damp. Well, to be fair, some of our generally like our standard of housing is pretty crap. Um, <laughs> the old, you know, old, cold, damp, moldy, that kind of thing. But it's a lot worse in rentals because um, obviously people don't care as much about houses yeah. they don't live in. Uh, yeah, so. And also just wanted to settle down and have the stability of, you know, knowing that I don't have to move because there's a lot of instability here with mm-hmm. rentals as well. Um, exactly. And also just the privacy factor. Like, I guess, like, I work, uh, right, sorry, I live in an apartment building and I'm just sick of, like, the elevators, all the noise in the hallway, all the people everywhere. I just, no, mm. I need some privacy and some space. Yeah, plus rents just keep going up here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I started to think more about 
like long term and I was like, I have no idea what rents are going to cost when I'm 65. That is, is a terrifying prospect to still be renting when I'm retired yeah. in New Zealand anyway. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, yeah. started thinking about um, prices, which are pretty much, yeah, they're, in, they're insane. <laughs> uh, so how much would a house go for in your area? Uh, uh, so I guess to put it in your context, my area is <laughs> Like the equivalent equivalent of say Scarborough or something. Yeah. Um, oh, you know Scarborough. That's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. Um, back before Auckland became one super city. You know, we had other quote cities, and this would have mm-hmm. been and then like next city or district over. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So in my area, um, oh, so like I would say, you know, entry level is like. 500 600k mm-hmm. and i live kind of down the hill from like a newer nice suburb and those would be like mm-hmm. million dollar houses up the hill yeah <laughs> it's quite funny Jeez. changes quite quickly just going up the road mm-hmm. well hopefully yeah. that'll kind of like filter to your neighborhood and then the value of your house will go up in the next five to ten yeah. years I don't doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> no i absolutely agree the stability of having a house is just so uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just like, you know, I I, I told you earlier, we bought uh, not a house because that's absolutely impossible in Toronto, but we bought a townhouse and I'm very excited just to have um, that, yeah, stability. And you're not worried about, I mean, not that it really happens in this apartment building, but other rentals we've had, which are usually suites and houses, you know, you hear all the time, you know, the landlord wants to sell the house, so you have to find a new place to live or rent is going up and you're like, oh, you know, we just, it'd be nice to know exactly how much we're paying for a a long amount of time so we could budget that way and stuff. So that's very exciting. So how were you able to save up that, um, that chunk of change? Um, so we've got um, like a government scheme for first home buyers. There's, you know, income limits mm-hmm. and house price limits. Um, and, you know, once I switched industries, I was making more, but I was still within that limit. I was like, this is the time to buy really because then I can take advantage of the scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and a key part of that was we've got KiwiSaver, which is our government scheme. It's for retirement savings, but you can also take out money for your first home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like RRSP we've got over here, the Registered yeah. Retirement Savings Plan. Awesome. Probably the equivalent, yeah. Yeah, so, sounds about the same. Originally, I hadn't envisioned doing that. I was like, there's money for retirement. I'm not going to touch mm-hmm. it. But things have changed a lot in a few years. Um, and I, for various reasons, decided that um, you know buying a house is going to be um, a good thing for me in terms of saving for retirement mm-hmm. because I won't have, um, won't be renting, which will be big cost gone but um also didn't want to live in a cold damp rental anymore and that was really really important to me to be honest absolutely like it looked like you wrote on your blog that it was actually affecting your health yeah i've got posts in the i'm waiting till the end of winter just to reserve judgment but i've got posts coming up on honestly the health benefits they are real (laughs) you know what it's funny that you say that because i used to always have like a runny nose when I used to live in this one rental in Vancouver and we lived there for about two years. And no, I guess most of the rentals I lived in Vancouver, I'd always have like this runny nose when it wasn't, yeah, it just made no sense. Like, well, I guess maybe that's just like, I just assumed maybe that's what happens when you get older. I don't know. (laughs) I just started making excuses. I'm like, why do we always have a runny nose? And then when we moved to Toronto into a building that does not have mold and is not like gross and damp because Vancouver is like always wet 
yeah, my health immediately changed. It's so crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's really yeah. Auckland's really wet and damp and humid. It rains a lot, so yeah, we definitely get a lot of mould. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, but yeah, so I pulled um not all of my Kiwi saving money out, but the majority of it. Um, and also, uh, yeah, so I was looking um, at houses up to about five hundred k based on what I was approved for. Oh, that's the rain. Can you hear that? Oh, I can hear that. Oh my god. Is that oh my God, storm happening right now? It's really intense. Um, oh, my wow. God. Yeah, it's, it's winter here. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. What does winter, like, honestly, what does winter mean there? Like, what does that mean? Um, I don't understand. Well, it's, pretty, it's pretty mild in Auckland. Um, like, it doesn't snow. Um, you know, winter days are, like, in the double digits. So it's not mm-hmm. really that bad. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm a wuss. I don't think I could live anywhere where it snowed. Yeah, yeah, it's not the best. <laughs> Gets damn cold here. Damn cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, to wrap up this episode, Esther, since you have been blogging since 2008, which is, I think, a record. I don't know many <laughs> other bloggers that have lasted that long. I think kind of the, you know, the most people won't even last six months when it comes to, I mean, blogging about personal finance for that long. Props to you. <laughs> So in all of your um, experiences and everything that you've written so far, what are can you name like two key things that you would like to pass on to listeners, two things that you've learned uh, about money management and just kind of living a fulfilled, happy personal finance life? What would you recommend to them to uh, kind of go in your footsteps so they can maybe one day also live debt-free, buy a house, travel for six months? Um, so often people talk about earning more versus spending less as kind of the two ways to, you know, tackle money, basically. Um, and I think like most things in life, it's about a balance. It's not necessarily one or the other. I think it's about maximizing that gap in between. And it could be, you know, a combination of both the earning and the spending. Um, mm-hmm. For me, um, I've always been quite frugal, um, and I think there's only so much that you can cut back. Um, for me, earning more has been the biggest um, factor that's enabled me to get ahead. So I'm a big fan of um, increasing your earning potential uh, as well as spending less because I suppose if you are cutting back your spending, a dollar saved is a dollar earned and it's not taxed, so that's, that's a good thing. Um, another thing... I think one thing that I've really learned over the past few years is just the importance of putting yourself first, advocating for yourself, negotiating, Mm -hmm. standing up for yourself. Nobody else is going to do that for you. Um, So you've got to put your own interests first, um, both at work and in terms of relationships. Mm -hmm. It's important to know your worth um, and, and go for it. And in terms of like your personal relationships as well, not to let others take advantage of you financially. Mm-hmm. It might not be deliberate. You might not even realize it, but just don't give um, too much of yourself away, basically. No, I think that's a, a really you know, key thing to remember for personal finance. I think a lot of people, you know, they kind of focus on the budgeting or the saving or making more money, but putting yourself first is absolutely something that, especially as women, I think we need to um, really consider because it's, you know, one thing to help someone out, but it's another thing to be taken advantage of. And, you know, we work hard for our money. We are paid less than men. So let's kind of take care of ourselves and put ourselves first. Damn straight. Yeah. 
Damn straight. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Esther, for chatting with me. It was an absolute pleasure. And that was episode 91 with the fabulous Esther from NZ Muse. Uh, make sure to check out her website at nzmuse.com or nzmuse.com. I never know which one's the right one to say, but Z, Z, same same diff. So nzmuse.com is where you can find out more information about Esther and her uh, journey into financial freedom. And she's just awesome. So make sure to check her out. And uh, like I mentioned, and again, I'm going to include information about Esther and all the things that we talked about in the show notes. So don't forget to check out the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 91. But I'll also include more information and a link to my pal John Robertson's new course, first course, It's called Practical Index Investing for Canadians. So if you want to do the DIY investing route, you want to uh, pay very little fees but get optimal results, (laughs) you will want to check out his course. He is the author of the book Value of Simple that really goes in depth about how to do it, but he's created a course to really kind of break it down and just, you know, help you through the process and figure out how to freaking do it because it's sometimes a bit intimidating. You don't know where to start. This is something that if you really want to get into DIY investing, this is the course you need to check out. So you can go to jessicamoros.com slash investing course, or just check out the show notes, jessicamoros.com slash 91. I'm going to include some more info and a link to it so you can uh, learn more about it. There's a free trial and a lot more information about it. So, uh, you know, just thought I'd uh, put that out there. I think you uh, might enjoy it. So uh, thank you again for listening. Before I let you go, I've gotten some more podcast reviews that I want to give shout outs to. Thank you so much for everyone who's given me a review so far. All right. The first review I have is from S. Tweeds from Canada. Uh, they say, I am a fairly new 28-year-old investor. I've been gobbling up books on the subject. The problem is that I have limited time to read these days, but I have an hour a day commute. This podcast is a great way to get informed on so many awesome investing topics that are directed specifically to what I want to learn. Thanks so much, Jessica. Keep the podcast coming. You're helping a fellow investor learn a lot. Yay! Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you so much for your review. I am so glad that uh, I am educating yourself on your commute because I, I've been there. Believe me, I, it's one of the glories of being self-employed now. I don't have to do my long commute in the packed subway downtown Toronto, but I, I feel you. So I will keep the podcast episodes coming. And one more before I go from Motive223 from Canada. I'm so glad I was introduced to Jessica and her podcast. I feel like I'm getting my personal finance fix without having to bore my friends. I love it. Oh, yeah. I am so glad that you found my podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks again for your fabulous review. Make sure if you're listening right now and you have not given me a review, but you would like to, please do. I will give you a shout out on a future episode. Uh, So make sure to just go to iTunes. And I think it's as simple as just like hitting review button. It's very, very easy. So thanks again. And I will see you back here tomorrow because guess what? Got another listener series episode for y'all that I know you will love. See you tomorrow. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.